Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel lesson for this week comes from Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Here ends our gospel lesson. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I should throw out there, uh, full disclosure, we had uh, Pastor Ski Day this last week where all the willing skiing and the one snowboarding pastor in the Flathead Cluster of Northwest Montana take a day up on the mountain. And uh, it was a good time of collegiality. Uh, it's been much needed lately. But, and there were four of us up there, the pastor from Polson, uh, the pastor from Columbia Falls, and uh, one of the pastors from Kalispell. And as we were going down the mountain, we took a moment and paused on our gospel passage for this week and said, man, we don't want to preach on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But here it is, and it's my task to continue with it. We have this uh, kind of wonky little passage here, right? Where Herod, uh, King Herod, is set to be seeking Jesus' life. He's already established by arresting John the Baptist that he was a king who who, uh, more or less had it in for prophets, if you will. John the Baptist, as you will remember, was uh, arrested in, in Herod's custody before um, the, his head was requested and, uh, and King Herod um, obliged and delivered his head on a platter. So that was fun. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, and I should point out, this Herod is different than the Herod that we encounter at Jesus' birth. Uh, that King Herod, Herod the Great, uh, was um, kind of last, sort of, he was a pseudo-Jew and uh, really tried to prove himself and built palaces and 
was especially oppressive towards his own while sucking up to the Romans in unique ways. And in worldly ways, he had the greatest rule of kind of the era. Uh, but in much deeper ways, the Herods were to be deeply distrusted. And in fact, Herod the Great so deeply distrusted his own children that he had them, many of them killed too, out of paranoia that they would mutiny against him. This Herod is uh, one of his sons, though. His kingdom was split up, uh, after the Herod the Great, after his death. And so it gets a little confusing in our gospel. By Jesus' adulthood, there's this little lesser Herod who comes up. Nevertheless, it seems that he wants to emulate his father and do so by killing prophets, killing those who speak truth to power. Now, oftentimes we interpret prophets in our worldly way or in our time as those who spoke of things to come in the future. Now, this is definitely part of what they did, but they were more than just soothsayers or fortune tellers. More important aspect of, what, of the work that they did is that they spoke truth to power and often deeply uncomfortable truths uh, to the powers that be, especially the kings. They said, uh, they called for the people to repent, to turn away from idolatry. They spoke social justice, calling for good treatment of the poor, and saying that if we do not take care of orphans and widows and foreigners within our midst, at least in the midst of the Israelites, that they, the people would be punished for the maltreatment of the vulnerable amongst them. And oftentimes to the kings who were most comfortable with the status quo, right, wanted their policies of heavy taxation and comfortable living to continue. Prophets were often the biggest thorns in their side, telling them that their comforts would come to an end, that their rules would be challenged and toppled, and so on and so forth. Now, we have this going on in this little passage. And yet, it's interesting. Jesus seems uh, very uninterested in any threat that Herod can pose to him, the Herod of his adulthood. He says, tell that fox, I'm doing this, that, and the other, and where are you? pretty brazen. <laughs> I don't know. Please don't count, call me a coward or anything, but I'd be a little more suspect <laughs> as, a, as a peasant guy, right? A homeless dude walking around in the wilderness to just speak against the king who has the army at his back. To just say, tell that fox, right? Can't do anything to me. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe I'm not the Messiah and that proves it that I'd be afraid, right? But Jesus has almost is incredibly dismissive of what Herod can do to him. Which in a way reveals that uh, this is all ordained by God. And even as the Son of God, he's walking with complete trust and faith with how things are supposed to go. And he knows that his life will not be taken by the likes of Herod. But will ultimately, and he will ultimately end up on a Roman cross. I can't point to the altar. Point up there. And the cross that we are journeying to in the season of Lent.
He knows that where, that's where his ministry will come to an end. But he also preaches, right, that today and tomorrow, and then on the third day, that death and that destruction will be overcome with his resurrection. Powerful. We see the courage of faith, the complete trust as the Son of God, that he truly is the Messiah, and he is completing God's will in his life. But then he pivots a little bit here, and he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. He laments over this Mount Zion, this holy city that is supposed to keep the people safe and secure from any harm that would come their way. A city that had been conquered centuries ago by the Babylonians. And that the people had returned to, but again had been conquered by Alexander the Great. They had had a kind of a coup of their own and trying to limped along under the rule of the Maccabees and now was in the hands of their Roman oppressors. And still we had people having, even though that bubble of King David's glory and all this from centuries earlier, that bubble had been popped, right? That the city was not immune. The city would not keep them from all conquerors and empires and all that. Still, they seemed to have this belief in uh, kind of Jerusalem's exceptionalism, right? If only we have Jerusalem, then we have the temple, then we have the presence of God. And Jerusalem must be kept up at all costs. And as it turns out in this passage, Jerusalem must be preserved at the expense of truth. Truth that comes from the mouths of prophets who are so uncomfortable to the kings that rule them. That the city of Jerusalem would rather, rather rout out the truth and the truth tellers and kill them rather than have their city suffer slander. They placed their hopes in the walls and the temple and, the, and everything that was Jerusalem. That if only we can preserve truth, or if only we can preserve Jerusalem at all costs, then, then we will be safe. Then God's presence among us will be secure. Then we do not have to worry. They believe so strongly in this Jerusalem exceptionalism that they literally stone prophets and put them to death. Instead of having Jerusalem be criticized and called to repentance. They would literally they went to great ends of kowtowing to the Roman oppressors who taxed the people of the countryside like nothing else, right? Taking up to as much as 90% of their profits and income. It's extreme poor. Taking even the widow's final two cents to preserve Jerusalem and its temple. If only, if only Jerusalem is secure, then we will be okay. And yet, the Messiah laments over this exceptional Jerusalem. Saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you are the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. 
How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jerusalem, the city that also rejects the direct care of God. There's this interesting feminine image of our Lord in the gospel here. Seeing God is the hen that gathers the vulnerable chicklets right under their wings. Now, I'm not, I'm not a farmer. Um, anybody in the room got chickens here? Really? Nobody? Oh, man. Swing and a miss on that one. <laughs> but I did grow up, um, my, my neighbor growing up, uh, they had uh, the Decora Chick Hatchery. This is business downtown, uh, where they would raise chicks and sell them to Amish. Uh, sorry, not just to the Amish. They were major clients of theirs. Uh, and, but, uh, but to other farmers and those seeking to raise chickens around town. And I remember these uh, working in the store with them, and these, even as a, I think I was a middle schooler at the time, or upper elementary, and just could already see how vulnerable these little chicks were when they were born. Now, maybe it's worth pointing out, kind of side anecdote. This business, uh, by the time I was in high school, they, they latched on to um, another branding opportunity. So the official name of the business was uh, uh, Quality Chicks. <laughs> so they, as is often the case in Montana, they lo or in America, they lobbed on to the idea of t-shirts. You could go to Decora and get a shirt that said, uh, another quality chick from Decora. <laughs> For some reason, this is quite the hit with all the college girls in town. I mean. <laughs> Neither here nor there. <laughs> all that is to say, quality chicks originally really did just raise up chickens. And there would be boxes of these chicks. This is kind of cool things, right? But as we were sorting them and trying to get them into the different varieties and whatnot and for different sale points, I remember one in particular that we accidentally dropped. Only six inches, maybe 10 inches at the most. It was so vulnerable that it ne his neck broke. It was, a chick. it was kind of an early lesson in life and death and hardship and all that for me. But it was also a lesson in what it means to be so vulnerable. So vulnerable as that little chick that you need that protection of the mother hen. That mother hen to bring you back into the fold. To do what, for you what you cannot do for yourself. That, that is what God promises to be for Jerusalem in this point. By extension, that is what God promises to be for us. There's so many times in our lives where we don't know what's coming next, what's up from down, how to find our way forward. We can feel as though we are that little chick whose neck can fall victim to a mere six-inch fall. And the greatest thing that can protect us in those moments is the love of that mother hen who seeks to gather us and keep us warm amidst the storms and the 
reign in the bad weather of this world and this life. God promises to be that for Jerusalem, and God promises to be that mother hen for us too. And there is great hope in that. God knows how to provide for us, especially in our weakest moments, in ways that we will never be able to provide for ourselves. May we trust in that, even as the world seeks to silence the truth-tellers among us, even as the kings of this world seek to take the lives of our Messiah, even as the evils of this world continue to prey on the vulnerable. Still, still we place our hope, our trust, and our faith in the great mother hen who will one day gather us at the last and keep us safe and secure forever. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.